Good afternoon. Welcome back to Cat's Cuisine. I'm your host, Catherine Schultz. Have you ever wondered why we talk so much about food? Whether the topic comes up over the dinner table or while you're walking to get some ice cream. Food seems to dominate our conversations. So why? There are countless different theories that attempt to answer this question. Ones that start with our obsession with our diet, whether or not we should eat a certain food, and being experimental in the foods we actually try. The overarching theme of some of these theories seems to raise another question, which is what we talk about when we talk about food. So for example, what dishes one consumes or refuses, what food products one buys or boycotts, can reflect the individual's values, an index of environmentalism, a pledge of allegiance, and even represent the importance they put on their health. Additionally, the topic could drift to talking about world trade locks over agricultural tariffs in attempt to petition for higher wages for laborers. So, when did this get so complicated? To some degree, the topic of food has always been complicated. In 1825, brilliant Savarin challenged his readers with the following idea. Quote, tell me what you eat, I will tell you what you are. Unquote. His wisdom was already from the olden days. However, to some degree, this ideal has stuck with us for centuries. Throughout history, the pattern of humans and hunger is never-ending. We sit down at a table with a necessary choice. We cannot eat to live, that is, without in some measure living to eat. As Laurie Colwyn once put it, cookery books will always, quote, hit you where you live, unquote. What seems distinctive and disquieting now, what seems to have increased in the two centuries since brilliant Savarin shot a turkey in a Hartford, or even in the two decades since Laurie Colwyn roasted a chicken in her New York apartment, is the number of volumes hitting us combined with the force of their impact. Thus... A nation with a lot of food books is a nation without much sense of food. Author Michael Pullen pinpoints the same contradiction at the start of his book, The Omnivore's Dilemma. To him, the market for writing about eating is an audience who do not understand how to eat. In what spirit, then, are we to read the remaining pages of Pullen's book, the, quote, best food reportage of the last decade, unquote, and a touchstone for the current preoccupation with better dining. Is our attention a path out of darkness, or is it a perpetuation of neurosis? How are we, as the consumer of both the cookbooks as well as the food, to approach the contemporary shelf that ranges from 
the end of food to the engine two diet to the face on your plate that describes both the United States of arugula and fast food nation. Unfortunately, this contradiction has only gotten worse. We know that we must eat, and experience tells us that eating can bring us great joy. But are we all aware that food can also put us in grave danger? It seems, in some cases, no. Even though culinary conscious is at an all-time high, most consumers are unaware of where their food actually comes from. A new food crisis seems to surface daily. As food travels far and wide and pass through many hands and machines, it's hardly possible to open a newspaper without coming across a food scare or scandal of some sort. Menus of ordinary restaurants warn customers about the risks of food, born illnesses and seafood, meat, and just about everything else. Yet, compared to a century or more ago, when most of what we consumed came to us from near rather than far, the food system of the 21st century has exposed every one of us to many foods from a great many places farther and farther away. And while this has its perks, it also has grave consequences. The development of mass food further separates producers and consumers. Today's consumers rely little on their eyes and less on their noses. Packaging conspires to keep us distant. Plastic, whether in the form of wrap or containers, prohibits sensory connection, though few of us have either the knowledge or the training to judge much beyond gross defects. Moreover, contemporary scientific standards make sensory connection pretty much irrelevant. Although some damage is readily visible, for example, an obviously diseased animal, we now know that the most toxic elements cannot be seen, nor smelled, nor touched. We have no alternative but to entrust our food safety to others. Mass-produced food forces choice by proxy. We, as the consumer, have placed our well-being in the hands of the producer. Let's break down the systems of surveillance. One strand of deadly E. coli bacterium turned up in ground meat in the United States in 1994, and another previously unknown strand appeared in vegetables in Europe in 2011. When the Food and Drug Administration falls down on the job, the consequences can be dire. Even when it's working, there is room for doubt about its efficiency. So, we are at mercy of the very security systems that we set up. Thus, we cannot possibly know everything that we should know to be 100% certain that what we put into our mouths is 100% safe. The numbers are staggering. 70 billion eggs produced annually in the United States 
sometimes more than 150,000 hens squashed together in one single barn. A half billion eggs were recalled for salmonella in 2010, and adequate supervision is impossible. So, as the consumer, how do we actually know that the eggs recalled for salmonella were actually taken off the shelf and out of production? In simple terms, we don't. Once again, due to our dependency on such security systems set up for situations like this. It seems the likeliness of the consumer to become more aware of what they're eating is slim. So, in order to maintain our standard and our level of healthy eating, we shall continue to discuss food, whether that means challenging the FDA standards or a simple review on a seasoned salmon, as long as people continue to discuss food in some way, perhaps more people will consider what they are eating and where their food comes from. That concludes our show for today. Remember to keep your mind full and your soul hungry.